Welcome to the PreparedX podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. Hello, and welcome to episode 109 of the PreparedX podcast. I'm your host, Rob Burton. And just before we get started, I would like to let you know that this episode is brought to you by First Look. First Look is a customized crisis simulation exercise service by PreparedX. We design it, you deliver it. See more details at preparedx.com slash first look. Well, I'm, I would like to welcome Jack Murphy today. Welcome, Jack. Hi, Rob, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for joining us uh, today. I appreciate the time. Um, before we get started, Jack, uh, the audience would love to hear a little bit more about Jack and uh, a little bit about your uh, history and career to date, please. Okay, I'm a retired fire marshal deputy chief out of New Jersey. I've worked for years in the New York City high-rise uh, group. Uh, we have an association there called the Fire Safety Directors in New York. I sit on the NFPA 1620, which is the pre-incident planning committee and sat on uh, many national, state, and local codes for uh, fire service and for EAP, emergency action plans. Uh, we developed them in nine, after 9-11 in New York City uh, for all hazards other than fire. Right. Great. Yeah, I know we'll be getting into that a little bit as well here um, in, in some of the questions, so thanks. Um, okay, let's start off with, with some of the basics then in, in terms of uh, the importance of drills. Why are, why are those important uh, in your mind, Jack, based on you know, your experience and, and, uh, and what you've done throughout your career? Well, basically, drills are a, a building fami- familiarization, you know, where the stairs are located, how the corridors laid out. If you go into a building with an elevator uh, and you go to the lobby, there's a sign there. It says you are here. <laughs> so it's supposed to be your attention getter for you to figure out, you know, if anything happens with the stair, it's stair A, stair B, whatever you call the stair. All right. So that, that's basically it. But we've learned the hard way over, over years is uh, basically some major events. Uh, today actually is the 80th anniversary of the uh, fire of the nightclub in Boston where 400 people died. Wow. All right. So that was a nightclub back then during World War II. Uh, 1903 was the Iroquois Theater fire, another one, uh-huh. where uh, 600 people died. We had no exit signs <laughs> at all. Wow. So no one knew where the exits were. So we came up with exit signs at that time. Oh, based, then, on, the, based on the learnings, right? So each right, time we're, we're right. learning a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then there was the school fire in 1908, where uh, 100 and some odd kids died. Then we started putting in, I knew in New Jersey in 1920s, uh, fire drills for schools. Uh, once a month. All right. So schools became a staple across uh, the United States for uh, evacuations for fire. Uh, And uh, what I liked about it is it gets you familiar with that. But once we leave that, we basically, you know, we lose it, you know, unless the company is a good company, uh, they'll have drills. And basically the code just says, you know, once a year, have a fire drill. And that's for you to familiarize yourself. And a one tenant building uh, with human resources can do an initial thing for evacuation, say, take them around, walk them around the building, even if it's a one and two story building. Right. Uh, my, my thing, I go into like the big, what I call the box stores, like uh, Walmarts and everything. And you're looking at a couple hundred feet, but the exit signs are so small. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. No, where, yeah. where is this? Where's that? Yeah. You know, yeah. so some of those things we're trying to profess to them, at least give me a larger sign. You know, it doesn't right. have, you know, yeah. you can have the lit up sign, which is a requirement. Yeah. But how about behind that, hang something with like a photoluminous sign with arrows pointing where the directions are. Right. So when we have those things, those are some of the things we bring forward uh, to people to be proactive, what I call best practices. Sure. So basically, you are here sign is in an elevator lobby. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's like an oxymoron, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like it, and I, and I, of course, you know, being in the business, I, I do notice those uh, those signs. But um, you know, sometimes they're not as easy to you know to to wrap your head around if you're in a hurry. But uh, you're certainly on the way in. Should be looking at those for sure. Yes, yes. Too yes. late on the way out, right? <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'd like to jump into you, you just briefly touched on it there. The, co the code mentions once a year, you said there, Jack, in terms of, you know, how often they should be running these drills. Um, of course, you know, I'm sure best practice in your mind is more often than that. But uh, so, you know, what kind of drills should be running and how often in your mind? OK, well, at least the fire drill once a year. Then there's the other type of drills. And we'll get into a little bit more what EAP is. It's an emergency action plan. And basically, it's all hazards, non-fire threats, all right? You know, man-made, natural disaster type things. Uh, look what's going on in the United States, this active shooter stuff, yep. workplace violence. You know, now more than ever before, you need to know where exits are and everything. Sure. You know, and know the building inside and out. It's not only for the occupant, but it's for first responders. Sure. Oh, yeah. The more intelligence we have on the building ahead of time, the better prepared we are for you. Uh, I'll give you a, an active shooter scenario in a mall. Uh, active shooter uh, happens in a mall. Uh, there's anchor stores. There's other stores, like 300 stores. In order to clear that mall, probably takes about five or six hours. Right. They, they, get the, they get the active shooter, but now people went and uh, sheltered in place somewhere. They didn't sure. want to come out. Right. So, again, it's, it's a dual track thing. What the, what the tenant has and the building owner or the property manager Yep. The more they give out to the first responders, the better off we are. So there's two different types is a fire drill and an all hazard drill. And the all hazard drill can be based on man-made, mm -hmm. which I just mentioned. Workplace violence is another thing yep. or natural disasters, tornado coming. You, you, you go around some parts of the United States, there's tornado shelter areas. They have signs posted where to go, particularly at airports. Yep. So those should be done at least once a year. OSHA, does require them for certain businesses, for a certain type of, uh, how would I say, employers, that maybe a hundred or more, at yep. least once a year. So it's right. in both local codes and it's also in, in the United States, it's in OSHA also. Yeah. Yeah. We also notice them as well in, in certain environments. I know I was just in Canada uh, running a drill for a you know, large, um, you know, complex, industrial complex where they've got bodies working on projects all over, you know, 100 acres or whatever it may be. And so their, their code is to run uh, a drill, uh, an, a, you know, evacuation drill of yes. these locations. And yes. then, you know, but similar issues came up, though, in terms of the size of the signs, right. the must, must, muster signs, mm -hmm. they can't be seen from too far away. So people who were visiting the site or, or not running these drills very often because they're only supposed to be done. I think it was once every three or four years, I think in this particular case, but which is not very often. Right. So right. when you drive past the muster sign, like, you know, three or, three or four times a day, you know, yeah. you, you may not be really paying that much attention to it. So, so, and it was not, you know, it was a pretty decent size sign, but uh, for those that are not familiar with meeting there on a regular basis, right. um, you know, it, um, it, need, it needs to be a little bit bigger. So I know you've got some experience. I'd like to move on uh, Jack with regards to, 
high-rise emergency uh, buildings. I know. Do you, have, do you have any stories with regards to you know drills or, or real situations and uh, how they went well or maybe didn't go so well? All right. Some good ones are, uh, you know, again, time elements depend upon the height of the building. So we try to take a time on how to evacuate that building. Yep. Uh, basically, in a high-rise building, let's just say for fire first. Basically, in a fire, say a 20-story building. If the alarms go off on 14, 15, 15, I'm evacuating 15, 14, and 16. I'm bringing them down several floors, what we call an in-building relocation area. Mm-hmm. So they, evac- they evacuate first. All right. When the fire department gets there, they'll read the fire alarm panel, see where the alarms come in. They'll announce. They should announce they're in the building. We're here investigating the uh, incident. That's for a high rise. And the other thing, too, is now if I have an all hazard uh, uh, incident, I'll I'll explain that in a minute. Let me say a bad one, (laughs) a bad evacuation. (laughs) And and I've done these uh, over the years and recently more, more, more so. Coming down with cell phones in the stairwell. Come on, you know, you know, give me five minutes. Uh, laptop. My favorite was a laptop. Balancing a laptop coming down the stairwell. Right. You know, right. and and then uh, hot liquids. You fall, they fall. In what <laughs> one incident, I, I felt like a kindergarten teacher. I pulled the individual off with the laptop. What are you doing? Oh, I have this thing. I, well, you must be important. Stand here. I put him in. I put him in a hallway, like in the corridor for a little kid. Yeah, 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 says, yeah. And I explained to him, I said, sir, you know, I, I understand, you know, you have a business and everything, but right. if you're falling down the stairs, you're going to take out a couple of people. Right. right? And then you're going to have what we call, we have what we call stopgap methods. Have you ever heard of that in a stairwell? I've not, no, no. All right. In a stairwell, when you're coming down, we don't walk like wooden soldiers, very straight. We sway back and forth. Yep. All right. And what it is, is that it, a stopgap method is every time a door opens up, into the stairwell. Everybody has to stop. Everybody, people say, oh, someone fells. No, the 13th floor comes out. Everybody on, above that stops the elevator to that flow goes. So that as that goes down, oh, right. that magnifies. Yeah. In a high rise, all hazard threat. All right. Uh, let me just say, is it interior or exterior? That's number one. Yep. Let's just say this is an exterior threat and I have to evacuate the building. Yep. Uh, we have plans that say, all right, I can use all elevators and all stairs. All right. The threats outside. I'm trying to move everybody as quickly as possible. And we do that in sequential order in the stairwell. I like the elevators, particularly with people with disability. It, it, it's an outside event. I could, they can go to the elevator and take it down. Yep. The other thing, too, is that in the stairwell, it depends upon the height. Is you can't overload the stairwell. Right. These buildings were never designed to be fully evacuated. Right. Uh, uh, right up on front on that one. Yeah. The stairs are only 44 inches. Yep. That's it. So if I'm evacuating from an all hazard threat, all right, I will say, let's just say I do a large building, a 50 story building. I'll tell 50 uh, to start, 50, 50 down to uh, uh, 45 to evacuate. Stair A. Then I'll go stair B, the next five floors. All right. I'll just alternate. Yep. Alternate. Then I go down to the, then my third call is 10 floors down. Evacuate. So what I want is dump that building first at the lower end, then go back and forth and yep. stairwell them to have them come down. I can use this, what I call tips. Total building, in-building relocation, partial evacuation. I'm taking five floors, extracting them to the exterior. 
but what we call shelter in place. There's an yep. outside event. Uh, we're going to lock down the building. Uh, I make an announcement. Stay, stay at your desk. Yep. You just need to have to know. And again, with these all hazard threats is when you grab it, you, you have a fire alarm go off. You turn around, you look at the panel. Smoke detector, 16th floor. Smoke detector at the north end of the warehouse. Yep. When you have these all-hazard threats, it's how you grab that. How right. quickly you grab that. So my thing in my buildings, I talk, well, you have a security department. Are they monitoring police radios? Do they have a local – they have a TV. Oh, we can't put a TV in there. Well, you don't need to have sound on, but if something comes up, they could see right away. Put on the news channel. That's all. Right. You need right. to grab that quickly. Right. Uh, I had an experience uh, with me in, in, the, in the city where an active shooter was in 33rd Street. It, it was right in front of the building. They saw that. They locked the building down, but the buildings left and right and down the block didn't know anything about. Right, right, right. All right. So, again, once you grab this, this is how everything kicks in. It's kind of it's the reactionary thing is I, I tell people you have to stay on top of your toes. You have if fire safety and security have to work together. Totally. Yep. It, we've, right. we've joined forces over the years. It, it's a good relationship. Yep. All right. And then the third part is management. Management, management has to embrace this. Right. All right. We're trying to have the safety aspect of people. Yep. The, the key that I tell people, Robert, is this, I said, there's nothing in the United States that says, that, that requires security in a building. There's no code out there. It's all perceived threats. All right. Yeah. Okay. When I was in a security management class in the college, uh, it was a sergeant running the class. He pointed out to me, I was the only one in the room from the fire service. He goes, listen to that guy. He says, they're, they're the ones that have the codes that require these things. Right. So it's just a matter of, of getting together as first responders and helping one another out. So yeah. Uh, those are high rise drills and emergencies. All right. So, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned management there. Um, you know, should it be the building management that's driving some of this? Uh, I mean, you mentioned the partnership there, or is this more of a, you know, cause occasionally we'll, we'll get a tenant. So one of our clients may be a tenant in the building. Um, I, I know one particular instance where, um, there was other tenants in the building, but the building wasn't doing anything. And they said, listen, we want to do something yeah. for our employees. And so they ran a drill with just with their, I think they had two floors and, right. and like, it was like eight or 10 story building. Uh, and they informed, the tenant, they informed the other, you know, tenants and, and the building management company. So listen, on this day, we're going to be running a drill with us, with our own team to, you know, to come out of the building. I think it kicked the building into gear and say, listen, I yeah. think we need to do it. But, but, and it started to build those, you know, conversations. So in your mind, then, you know, from a responsibility standpoint, even there's, even though there's no code, um, that should really be the tenant that's driving this, or it, it, is it more of the building management? It, it, I like that the tenant stepped up. Knowing that building building management should drive it, multi-tenanted yeah. building. They should. It, what you want is uniformity in the evacuation right. and that. Yeah. You know, so like say like the 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 best practice tenant that you just mentioned. All right, they're using the stairwells and things like that, which is fine. Right. The, the thing is that the higher up you go and, and you're walking downstairs, uh, my thing is that when you get to the exit discharge at the street level, where is it leading you out to? Right. A lot of people don't know. <laughs> right. So, oh, okay. You yeah. know, stair A, it discharges, say, on the backside of the building. which Or, or, onto, or onto a busy street. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and the thing is that with that, 
evacuate, that's good for a fire. Now, if I have an all hazard threat and say like it's something outside, I want I want you to go say like onto J Street and in a then, specific direction, not the right. other one, right? Yeah. So what yeah. you have there is that you have a sign, a photoluminous sign, next to the stair, exit discharge door, entering onto J Street with a north arrow indicator. I want you to go south. Well, you see north is going. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just to, just to help them. Yeah, right. Right, right. Yeah. Little things. They, yeah. Again, best practices. You know. But but then those little things they need to be practiced, right? So that's yes. why you do that yes. annual drill yes. and share those communications. I like communications being shared on a regular basis outside oh, yeah. of the drill as well, yeah, yeah. just to yeah. remind folks of uh, you know uh, of what to be doing. So that, that's yeah. I think that's what, a good practice. What I like about the drills and everything, I, I call them new eyes and new ears. I just mentioned something about a North Arrow indicator. All right. right. And we bring that up, uh, you know, and, and someone else picked that up, you know, things right. like that. I heard this or something fine. Right. Right. The, yep. the, the other thing is be aware of that uh, with these all hazard threats is that the communications via, you know, the phone is, is going to far outrun you and what you're trying to say in the building. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You have to be aware of that. Uh, here's a good example of, of an evacuation. Uh, prior to 9-11, there was a company at the World Trade Center, Morgan Stanley, uh, and their security director was a retired colonel in the Green Berets, Colonel Riscola. He was the director of security. Uh, he was there for the 93 incident at the World Trade Center. And when he came, when they got back into the building, he regimentally uh, drilled these people uh, on, an, on a monthly basis. Right. On this given day of 9-11, he was able to get out over 2,000 their employees. I think maybe about five died. And, right. and that's, that's a, a testament to him. Right. And, and it shows that when you practice things, it's like everything else. You're a military person. Yep. The more you have those practices, the better off you are. Yep. You know, and, and some people, ah, I don't want to be dealing with this. Uh, here's, a bad, here's, a, here's a good and a bad drill. Yep. Uh, my friend's a chief in L.A., and they have a building evacuation that there was 12 stories that, that New York over there. They want to evacuate the whole building. The, the fire safety director comes out. I, I can't get everybody off on the 11th floor because they won't come. Okay. Well, who's, what's the employee? It's, uh, I don't know, such and such law firm. Right. Okay. So he, he tells the chief, the other chief, go upstairs. Oh, by the way, take the two police officers. <laughs> they get off the elevator. <laughs> With the chief in the middle, the two police officers left and right, the chief yells out, we're having a drill. You shall evacuate now. They looked up. And again, non-written communications to see the two police officers. They <laughs> left. <laughs> they left. Pretty sharp as well. Yes, yes. So. And probably, and probably, follow, probably had, had heard which way to go and probably followed the right road as well, right, right. the right route. Yeah. It, it, my thing with, with people, like, you know, like I, I teach the fire safety directors in New York City on, on – uh, their certification. I said, look, if you have a tenant that don't participate, I says, you log down there on such and such a date. I had a drill. Right. They put down tenant A didn't participate. So if there is an event and something happens with tenant A coming down the stairs, you say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> we had X number of drills here. You never participate. Right. So yep. that helps management out. Management should be aware of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It helps them out for any potential lawsuits. 
Yeah. I, yeah. I wrote a recent blog about that and, and it's always been, you know, one of our things where we'll come in and, and assess a plan and, and look at, you know, um, you know, their documentation and we'll say, where, where was your last drill? When's your last exercise tabletop and right. shows your documentation. And it's just like, uh, like deer in the headlights. It's, you know, and, and you've got to document that because how are you going to improve? Like this, we yeah. did this wrong and, and now we've rectified it and now we're going to improve. So it's, it's that continual cycle that uh, we talk about that improvement cycle. <laughs> I've got another question for you about the EAP. You mentioned the EAP earlier, yeah. Jack. Um, um, so, so in your mind, does every business need one? Well, there is a requirement in the United States for OSHA standard, again, for X number of employees that you shall have a fire drill and an EAP drill. A drill. Emergency action plans came about, again, hard lessons hard learned from the September 11th. All right. Uh, the fire directors in New York City said we needed something. I, I, I chaired a committee on the fire director's side and put together these all-hazard threats, which are all over the place. You know, a, a fire is one little thing. It could be big, but it's right. one concentration. Yep. Now I'm dealing with internal, external threats, yep. you know, uh, things of that nature. So the whole idea is that we had to put something together. The, the fire directors went to the fire department we coordinated a, 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 a larger task force and we pushed it out. That in turn went into the NFPA, that went into the national codes and everything for these all hazard emergency yeah. threats. And basically a lot of them are called emergency evacuation plans now, which is inclusive of both. Right. All right. So the, the thing is that it, you're trying to be proactive on things uh, and then you learn, you know, the hard way sometimes. Uh, here's, here's a th flooding threat. Uh, we go through New York City with the superstorm standing. Yeah. Right? And one of the things, again, hard lessons is, oh, I, I see everybody being proactive. We have uh, at the street level air intakes for the basement. People are coming out. Good thing. Put down plastic, put down plywood, plastic again, and put sandbags on it. They kept it out of it. Right. All right. But there were other areas that buildings that didn't do that. So what happened? The water gets in there and they drop down all their elevator cars. So now it floods out. I lose my main switch for the elevator bank, yep. which is one thing. But now I lost all the controls and all the elevator cards. Yep. So if I have a building of 30 elevators, every car's out. Right. So lesson learned from there is that if you're going to get flooding, all right, either take the, the major control switch and put it on the first floor. Some Somebody did that at a right. lower level. And take all the elevator cars and lock them out on the third floor. Right. So, you know, you, you, you hate to say hard, what I call hard lessons learned, but those are things that sometimes, you know, you know, you have to look at. And then you say to yourself, what's your contingency plan if you can't right. occupy the building? Yeah. Where are you yeah. going? Yeah. You know, so it, it just keeps a steamrolling. You know what I mean? And yeah. the more you plug in to say, I have an answer for that, or at least a solution. Right the better off you are. Yeah, I remember somebody, a story one time about, you know, uh, the discussion ar ar around the, you know, power uh, and moving that power infrastructure yeah. onto the top of these buildings. And they were saying, there's no way we can do that because the buildings were not designed to have the weight right. on the top right. of the building. You know, yeah. It's like, you know, some of the older buildings in downtown. But what you do is a lot of them, you put them on stilts, like the shoreline buildings. Now you can't build your homes on the, on the street level. You got to raise them up. Yeah. But, Take a look at, I was watching with great interest, uh, uh, Katrina. When Katrina hit New Orleans, all right, uh, I, I'm looking at the video and I see a lot of the buildings, the high-rise buildings, you can see curtains blowing out of the hotels and everything. Take that same storm that hit Gulfport, Mississippi, 
Yeah. You look at the hotels, you're going, wow, the same wind conditions, same everything. They were, they were uh, what do you call it, storm-resistant glazing. Yeah. All right? Now, in New Orleans, the hostels were running until the flood came. All the right. generators were at the street. Oh. <laughs> you, you're in a city that's below sea level. <laughs> and no engineer thought of this. No, I know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Raising them up. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, uh, again, you know, it, it takes hard lessons sometimes for people to kick in. You know, yeah, and, yeah, and and hopefully they do learn those lessons, right? And they, yeah. they make those changes because it would be would be hard to you know relearn that lesson again. Yeah, and we're in the business of my thing is like I'm a communicator like you. It's right. like, you know these are experiences. We're telling you best practices. It doesn't say you have to. Right, right, yeah, but, right. But but here, here these are best practices. So take and and here's that. some history to you know to right. you know, give you an example of why. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay, Jack. Well, as we wrap up here, appreciate your time again today. Um, are there any other resources that you'd recommend a, a building have to support emergency planning and response uh, um, activities? Uh, basically, the, what we covered today, but one thing I, I do uh, profess is uh, I need to have building management have an understanding of what I call first responder language. All right. What do we do? Yeah. All right. You know, I have an incident. Com- we have an incident command structure for first responders. Yep. All right. And basically it's what we call a command and control, five people. Yep. So you, if you ever see a chief in front of you, he has about five officers in front yep. of him. So he communicates to each officer what he wants. He knows what their uh, job assignments are. Yep. That's control. All right. The thing is, too, is that I, I tell people it's a free course. You can go on to uh, DHS dot ims.gov for incident management 100 class yes yes just get the basics uh you you are when i get to the building either the building engineer the building management person the lead whoever that is is my liaison for this event right all right and the thing here is that I, i mentioned before the more i know ahead of time about the building the quicker i get you back to normal work Right. Yeah. Right. right. If I come yeah. in at three in the morning and you have a major water leak and I can't find the shutoff valves, you're not going back to work. All yeah. over the place. It might be a few you know, weeks. Yeah. Yes. Right. So the idea is that we created what we call a building intelligence card. Yeah. All right. This is for first responders. It's a breakdown of intelligence for you. It's also a tool for what I call building management when they get a new employee, particularly working in the maintenance department. Right. Where, where are the shutoff valves for electric, you know, uh, steam, if you have it, gas, water, yep. uh, things like that. Where are certain hazards in the building that you got to know ahead of time? Right. Uh, mechanical equipment rooms. Yep. So the whole idea is that we, we created this card. It's a two-page side card. Yep. And I don't know if you ever heard it, Robert, but it's called QAPs, Quick Action Plans. Yes. And yep. we break the card down for first responders Put 30 to second, 30 to 60 second reads. Basically, you have a floor plan at the bottom. Yep. I, I come in the front door. I can read the card to deploy personnel. Yep. Then there's a vertical riser at the top. All right. What goes to the roof? What goes to the basement? How the elevators run? Yep. HVAC zones. Yep. Uh, say like zone one is three floors. Yep. If you have a person with disability. And at the same time, you can tag on to the floor plan. Right. You can load that up and I could see the floor plan. This is all electronic now. Yep. And this is the way with telling management people that you have to be proactive on this. Right. Now let's let's take another step is that 
active shooter in the building. I mentioned that before, how long it takes to go through it. The more the police department knows about your building, right. Right, the better off they are. For the fire department, I, I highlight one area. They told me at 213 Jefferson Street, this is the main entrance. Yep. For the police department on the building information card, I show them all entrances. I even show them the loading dock. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, where to go? Because they don't not, they got to crash the building totally different than the fire department. Right, 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 yeah. Right? And with an electronic version of intelligence, I, I create we create silos of information. Fire department, police department, office of emergency management. They yeah. open up their silos in an event, and they, they be, they're able to talk to one another better. Excellent. And um, where, where can folks find additional information on that? They can go on to the website, uh, and I'll just say it real, E-B-I-S-G, electronicbuildingsolutionsgroup.com. Okay, great. So, and we'll, we'll add that into the show notes as well, Jack. And yeah, so, you can just yeah, show that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Put it at the bottom there. So excellent. Well, um, I appreciate uh, your time today. Uh, and uh, any final uh, comments, uh, Jack? No, just everybody be safe out there. It's, it's a lot of crazy events going on these days. Uh, the nature is playing tricks on us with a lot of these storms and everything else. You know, and we just got to hope for the best that we subside these active shooter scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, appreciate that. Well, thank you very much uh, again for your time today, uh, Jack. Well, that wraps up episode 109 of our podcast series. We encourage you to rate us on iTunes or wherever else you're listening to this podcast. We appreciate you, appreciate your time. And until next time, stay safe and have a productive day. 